0: Yo, welcome to my podcast, this is Daniel Lipford, and today we're going to be talking about the labeling theory. We're going to be talking about what it is, what's the psychology of it, how it impacts those who've been labeled as a criminal, um, what policies can be implemented, and just brainstorming, you know what I mean? So, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. The labeling theory is a theory coined by George Mead and Charles Cooley, and this theory theorizes on how an individual's identity and actions are determined or influenced by societies, medias, families, and so on's perception or characterization of that person. Essentially, it theorizes on how labels that people put on you or stigmas or stereotypes that someone put on you how that impacts your identity and your actions in the future. As it relates to criminology, it is centered around how the stigma of an offender, the label, the weight of being called an offender or criminal or thug and so on, impacts the person who committed a deviant act, how it impacts their identity and actions in the future. According to a the theory, the label in which a person is characterized by because a self fulfilling prophecy in a sense that once you label them as a offender or a criminal, they are much more likely to commit a criminal act in the future or more frequently in the future. Since its origins in the nineteen thirties, however, many theorists and thinkers have added on to the basis of this theory, such as Edward Lambert who create a sequence of the events that caused the labeling theory to be successful. For example, in his theory, or his sequence rather, there's the first deviant act that a person commits. This is known as a primary deviance. It's usually not serious or as frequent, but it lands them or gets them in trouble with the police or authorities. Because of that deviance, the label of criminal is placed on them. And from the mistreatment, labeling and often discrimination from the police, uh, authorities, family members, the stigma associated by the media and so on, they become very detached and want to find a sense of community with those who understand their circumstance or that they can identify with since their human, humanity has been stripped from them and they have been solely called a criminal. This causes them to be around those who also offended And because they are around those who also offended, they now commit more criminal acts that are far more serious and far more frequent, which is known as a secondary deviance. The labeling theory essentially exposes that there's a psychological aspect or quality of condemning someone or stigmatizing someone or putting a label of criminal on an individual who committed a deviance, which kind of results in them confirming their newfound label and identity, which results in them committing more crimes that are far more serious and frequent than previously before. There's a proverb that reads, as someone thinks, so he becomes. And essentially, the labeling theory enforces the idea that when you condemn someone as a criminal, because they accept or acknowledge the identity placed on them or enforced by society, they will in the future respond and act like a criminal. So what policies and practices can be implemented using the labeling theory to stop the condemnation of offenders and also end the cycle of recidivism and reoffending caused by the trauma of being condemned with such a label? Well, we can start implementing more restorative justice practices to our criminal justice system, which focuses on accountability and counseling rather than punishment. And additionally, we can end the legal discrimination of businesses and institutions of those who commit a crime and felons. So for the former, restorative justice practices of accountability include reparations, being paid to the victims of crime by the offender, while also the offender making amends to the victim of the crime they committed. By doing this, they have a chance to dismantle the label of criminal being placed on them because they are actively trying to repair the harm that they've committed to that person and society. So in a sense, it's a form of humanizing them and physically ripping apart that stigma Additionally, the counseling aspect of restorative justice through their circles, impact panels, conferencing, and so on emphasize that it is important to restore the offender and that the offender often commits crime because of a social, emotional, or psychological circumstance in their life. By doing this, it destroys the stigma of innate criminality or the idea that criminals are just born criminals but sees them and humanizes them by recognizing that there are factors of their life that directly motivated them to commit that crime. As for the legal discrimination of those who committed a crime and ex-felons, by prohibiting businesses from denying them housing, loans, education, job opportunities, and so on, it gives them a second chance to actually change their life and live a life outside of deviance and crime. When you punish them to a second-class citizenship after their initial deviance, you automatically enforce the label of criminal upon them and use that label to prohibit them from actually developing a life of their own. So prohibiting such practices and such legal discrimination will also dismantle the label of criminal by giving them an opportunity to create a life for themselves outside of the stigma placed on them. So the policies that I would recommend are implementing more restorative justice practices to our criminal justice system, while also ending the legal discrimination of felons and those who have a criminal record by our institutions. Both dehumanize those who committed a crime And by implementing these two policies, you humanize those that society has tried to dehumanize. So thank you for listening to my talk. Um, I appreciate you all and have a good night.